the Pro Wrestling Bowl. 35 short stories, including Harley Race, Ricky Morton, Tracy Smothers, and Tim Storm. Along with 300 photos from the independent scene. Taken from Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Get your book today by going to WrestleVille.com or LanceByChance.com. WrestleVille, it's where wrestling lives. Are you a fan of pro wrestling, comedy, and combat sports? Then we have the podcast for you, because we cover that and much, much more. Do you like to debate with your friends? Do we have the perfect segment for you? It's the 531, where we take any given subject, break it down to a top five. From there, we debate it down to three, and then into that number one spot. If you want to get a hold of us, find us on our social media. Search Working Fans Podcast on any major social media platform. And if you want to find the podcast, search for us on any major podcast platform as well as YouTube. Working Fans Podcast. We put in the work so you don't have to. And we're live, everybody. Working Fans Podcast. Me and AJ. Episode 136, I think, of the audio show. Woo! Putting in that work, guys. We're going to talk a little AEW today in our top five of the week. All right, everybody. Let's put that work in. All right, man. So we got the new format. We've been doing little AEW reviews on here because it's kind of our favorite show of the week. And I, do I mean, like- NXT really came home this week, but, you know, <laughs> screw them. I'm trying to remember. I didn't have a bad NXT experience this week. You know, no, it was good. They had a good match. Uh, Pete Dunne absolutely was on fire versus Carmelo Hayes. We can do that real fast. That was a great match. Obviously, you had Ciampa and R- Baby Steiner versus uh, dogs. Rude the Dirty Zimmer. Dogs. Yeah, yeah. Which I love that Ciampa and Breaker came out in the Steiner gear. Yeah. That's what made that for me. Like, you Although know, I would have know. liked it if Braun had come out dressed like Ciampa. <laughs> yeah, or like Gargano. <laughs> or like Gargano, that would have been great. Yeah, he could have come up to that song too with the hearts or whatever. It's like, bum, bum, banana. Yeah, <laughs> really the only low light on it was NXT demonstrating that they had a female that was more green than Jade Cargill. So congratulations to them on winning that race. Talking about Lash Legend? I think that's her name. Yes, yeah. she gave Amari Miller a concussion little early to be on tv probably for those girls but no well she's got a similar thing to jade cargill where she's extremely athletic but just not ready for tv yet no but cargill's actually had some people work with her and stuff where she can actually generally probably not injure somebody it might be a little clunky yeah. but well cargill needs to continue also to work better and that, that'll improve her some of the problem with her right now is they keep putting her in the in there with other people that are also green and that makes her that exposes her yes Yes, not to a point where it's been dangerous yet, but yeah, it's been... I believe her and Ty Conte is going to be one hell of an ugly match. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about it. Which that. is a shame because they're both beautiful women, so to see them to see it ugly from them is not good. Let's talk some AEW. Let's get yeah, right let's to it. it. Dynamite, Tony Khan's big announcement. That's what kicked off the show. He bought Ring of Honor. I guess, Rick, you said on your TikTok video review on the Working Fans podcast TikTok. We don't Although really I did not break the news. Producer Joe broke the news. Yeah, he was on it. He was on it. He was home. So <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, we don't know what this means yet. There's some exciting stuff, though. The we know what it means that. from the library point. We know that. Right. We know he bought the library. He owns the rights to the name. We don't know what but, he's going to do with that. I was thinking about this, and a lot of people have been saying, you know, oh, typically they won't just use a touring company like this because it makes no sense since the AEW brand. Why not just use the AEW brand name? But I would think, why make this big announcement just over the library? Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is, well, where I agree with you, where we're struggling is the talent. 
We don't know who they still technically have under contract. Right. We don't know if any of those guys that have been an impact are still under contract. We don't know. PCO's not. I know he signed with impact. Yeah, we know PCO signed a separate contract, but a lot of those guys, they didn't announce that they signed separate contracts. Right. So I, from what I heard was that they were allowed to wrestle under their contracts until Ring of Honor put something back together. Now, they didn't put something back together, but they've been bought. And some are booked for Supercard of Honor. We got Gresham versus Bandito. And Deanna Parasso, who works for Impact, is the women's champion. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't know. I'd be interested to see. Well, they had to, at that point, take the belt off Roxy because there was talk about Roxy signing with NXT and WWE. But that didn't end up happening. And now Tony Khan, per- Khan purchased Ring of Honor. So who knows if she's even going to end up signing with WWE. Right. And I actually, one of my friends texted me this morning that he heard a rumor somewhere online. I didn't see it, but it talks with Cody Rhodes and WWE might have fall through, which is interesting. Well, if anything, to be honest with you, What this has led to in the excitement of this is unlike when WCW was bought by Vince, nothing was really up in the air. We had a feeling Vince was just going to bury WCW. That's what he did. Mm -hmm. We don't know what his plans are, if it's just going to be the library, if he's going to bring the wrestlers in. Jonathan Gresham was backstage at Bridgeport. You're not bringing the guy in there for no reason to talk to him. Well, guess that's what I mean. So I'm not saying we know what he's going to do. But do you think in his mind, he's got a bigger plan than just a library? Absolutely. Knowing Tony Khan the way that we do, because, you know, we know Tony. All up every day. Absolutely. (laughs) Knowing him the way that we do and what we've seen from him so far, he doesn't seem like the type of person who does anything without a plan. I mean, the guy seems to have his shit together, despite some of his critics online. I think he usually comes through with everything he does. I think maybe some people get a little tired of, you know, these big announcements, because I think... I was listening to uh, well, considering they dipped in the ratings, maybe they do. <laughs> oh, okay, so maybe nobody, so nobody really was that excited about this. Probably this announcement. Then. I mean, well, I can give you the exact numbers. Yeah, they dropped right. down under a million. They were at nine hundred and sixty-six thousand, which was more so they than lost about fifty thousand viewers. Yeah, so they're just they're hovering around that mark. You know, there's a lot of news coverage and stuff going on right now too. But yeah, nothing. It, yeah, right. Nobody was like hooked into that, and I think nobody was clamoring for it. Right, because he's he's made. Well, he also had announced. He was honest before the announcement. He was honest. He told people, "This is not about an individual wrestler. This is not about per se a wrestler coming in. This big announcement is big in general." I I think it's just one of those things. I was listening. I think I'm on one of Conrad's podcast, and he was talking about when Christian came out. He's like, "I love Christian. It was great." But he said, "I was whatever event that was. He was at the event, and he said he's watching it, and he hears two fans in the back that are talking." Who's going to show up tonight? It's got to be Brock Lesnar. And the other fan's like, no, it's got to be John Cena. And I think that's the problem, right? When you make these announcements is that people just lose their mind and start thinking like the most crazy scenarios. And the problem is if you're expecting either one of those two guys and then Christian comes out, where does that leave you? Right, right, yeah. <laughs> Nothing against Christian. No. I like him better personally, but it's just not, <laughs> he's not that needle mover. Let's get into the show. So after that, he made Ryan Danielson versus Christopher Daniels, a little, you know, tribute to Ring of Honor. Happy to see Daniels back. A little handshake at the beginning. But what I loved was the finish, basically. Absolutely. Danielson catches him with the triangle choke, with the elbows to the head, and does the pose. And then afterwards... Goes to shake his hand and says, but we're not in Ring of Honor anymore. We're in AEW. And well, first of all, he didn't go to shake his hand. He went to shake his hand while he was laying on his back. Where yes. He kicked his hand up off the mat. It didn't actually help him to his feet. He just took his hand. Yeah, we. I don't you. I kind of saw that coming when yeah. 
It was on the ground. Something else we saw. You don't shake hands with somebody who's laying prone on the ground. Doesn't seem very respectful. No. Something else we saw coming. The Young Bucks won the tag team battle royal. I have to say, you didn't have to be Nostradamus to see that coming. No, but it was good to see Top Flight back. And they made Darius all the way down to the end. And the crowd actually bought into it. They were actually thinking for a second, like, he might pull this off. And I'm like, Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. They had me. I was sitting there going, oh, God, Top Flight's got it. And then I went, oh, no, they're top flight. <laughs> yeah, nice comeback for those guys. See, you know what? Actually, one more thing about that match I didn't hear a lot of people talk about is the announcers kind of cover for some little mistakes, too. He's very explosive, but, like, there were a couple times he'd turn his back when he really shouldn't have been turning his back, and they would say, well, he's rusty. He hasn't yeah, been in. time was off. Yeah. So CM Punk comes out. This was probably, other than the Tony Khan announcement, I think the best segment of the show. Yeah, Once great again, promo. Great promo. MJF did a great job with his part of it. Yes. Once again, a little predictable. I saw the low blow coming. I pretty much knew that he was going to kick him square in the nuts. If you weren't a cynic and you didn't believe that they were going to set you up for the whole time, then maybe you would have bought into this. I I have to give it to him. Like when he started rubbing his head and everything, I'm just looking at him like, all right, that's cool the way you set this up. All right, now. (laughs) No, no, And that's how I looked at it. I was like, no, no, they did a great job here. And the audience was buying into it. However, I saw the nut shot coming. Wasn't surprised by any of it. Once again, Wardlow did not help out in it. If you noticed, he just was standing there the whole time. Right. So it was just Sean Spears and MJF. Yeah, which we'll set up some stuff a little bit later. We'll talk about. We also got Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter versus Thunder Rosa and Mercedes Martinez. Rosa and Martinez get the win. We talked about this off camera yesterday, and we both love Thunder Rosa. We want to see Thunder Rosa get the AEW championship. And it's only a matter of time before she does win the championship. We have a little bit of a disagreement, I think, because I believe Britt Baker is going over. I don't think you're going to beat her in the middle of the ring to Thunder Rosa's finishing move and then have her lose again on the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. I-, I find it hard to believe that they're going to just completely job her out like that. Or no, but yeah, I'm not, I'm leaning towards Britt. It's just a little more undecided on my mind because also this Ring of Honor news too and Deanna Perrazzo needing an opponent makes it interesting well because we like, talked about this and you saw thunder rosa as the AEW champion wrestling against Braza. i see a better chance of thunder rosa being under contract with AEW without the championship getting the ring of honor championship and then her and Britt baker going back at it with her as the ring of honor champion yeah i mean that's another possibility also but then again i'll throw another one rosa wins both titles and then this heel Britt baker comes out and ends up challenging for both belts and then finds a way to rip her off and steal both belts from her. And I mean, it could definitely happen. Like I said, the only thing that makes it implausible uh, un- for me is the fact that she literally lost clean in the ring to Thunder Rosa's finishing move. Yeah, and I've heard another podcast, I think it was post-wrestling, they were talking about that too, where a lot of you know people would say the WWE logic is WWE's trained us for that almost. Like when somebody loses or you know we know yeah. they're probably going to win. And it's probably not always the case, but it definitely not. Yeah. And I don't think that just because somebody loses that they're going to win when you beat somebody clean in the middle of the ring with your finisher before the pay-per-view, I find it hard to believe that the person's going to lose at the pay-per-view. Unless they're leaving town or something, which I don't think is happening. Because you want to be able to keep both people strong. If you lose both matches, there's no way to keep your actual strength there. Now, next match we had was Wardlow versus Cesar Bononi. And I remember you texted me and you said, Man, I don't like the way they jobbed out Benoni. He's one of my guys. And you said that there's big talent in Cesar Benoni, and people are missing the boat on him. He's bilingual. He's got the look. I was like, all right, what about this Wardlow guy? Like, he's not bad, but they shouldn't have jobbed. I think that's what 
Maybe that was someone else. I don't know. I think just... I said I think I said he's a big Italian, Cesar Cesar Bononi. <laughs> but I think this match was perfectly done. Actually, quick Brazilian. To the but anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> Warlow gets the win, power bombs this guy into oblivion. But the important thing was after the match, Sean Spears goes to hit him with the chair, like he's been doing all on AEW Dark, and we've seen maybe a couple other times on Dynamite. But mostly it's says on AEW. He goes to hit him with a chair, and this time Warlow says no. And they have the face-to-face, and Sean Spears realizes, this guy can hand me my ass. Now I'm all set with this. So now I'm going to tell you the highlight of this for me. When Wardlow is posing and hamming it up for the camera, if you watch behind him, Sean Spears never takes his eyes off him and has a little smirk on his face the whole time. Sean Spears is one of the most underrated wrestlers when it comes to the psychology of the ring. And to me, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah, we got no problem uh, agreeing with that. He's a good heel. I, we have some announcements for Rampage, which is live tonight as we're taping this. It's going to be Sammy Guevara versus Darby Allen versus Andrade Idilo. Idilo. Yeah, we're yes. going to correct me on that. All of which are involved in the match on, on the pay-per-view. Who, do you see a title change here? No. Okay. Because I'm wondering if Andrade wins and then he loses the belt to Wardlow or Keith Lee even. I mean, it makes sense. I, I could see it. You know what? Andrade lost pretty convincingly the last time they wrestled. You've convinced yeah. me. Yeah. I think Andrade wins tonight. And it's a live rampage. We can get a little buzz going in the paper. Well, and, he, and he doesn't even have to beat him. He can beat either one of them. So Right. I think we got something here. Good job. <laughs> Ethan Page versus Christian Cage tonight and uh, Face of the Revolution. Dude, wait, we disagree on this one. I yeah, think, I think Ethan Page is win. going over. Yeah, I think Cage is going over. You think Page. <laughs> Keith Lee's in action. Whenever they say an action, I can only assume. He must no, he's going he, no, he's gonna, to he's gonna crush someone. And then you're going to see Powerhouse Hobbs and Ricky Starks come out and talk some more smack, and it'll all be good. You don't think he's going to be taking on somebody like a John Moxley? or a... Perhaps. Maybe <laughs> maybe he'll get someone big time like a Cesar, Cesar Bononi. Yes. <laughs> the pride and joy of Italy. Oh, Hook versus QT Marshall. I actually missed that. And I'm going to go with Hook. Oh, no, this is uh, actually, this is announced for the uh, buy-in of Revolution. So, Hook versus... I'm still going to go with Hook. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, Chris Statlander versus... It could be Saturday dirty... in the park, and I'm going with Hook. Chris Statlander versus that dirty heel orphan. <laughs> I liked it, Statlander. I, I'm going to go with the baby face on this one. I'm going to go with Layla Hirsch. Oh, you think so? You think she's a baby? <laughs> I liked that Statlander was like, I said what I said. <laughs> You heard me. <laughs> Malachi Black uh, did a promo. Brody King comes out. Buddy Matthews comes out. Not much to say here. Excited about the group, but just was yeah. Hey, promo's a promo. Yep. Uh, unless you're, unless you're cutting an MJF or CM Punk promo, promo's a promo. And then we had the thing, altercation in the back where Sean Spears and Wardlow get into it, and MJF comes out and says, "I decided that I'm going to let you keep the TNT title if you win." And then as he's walking away, he goes, "We know you're not going to win anyway." And that's then <laughs> Wardlow says, that's because I'm always covering your butt. And soon as that happens, MJF turns around, slaps the shit out of him <laughs> and lets him know that you're a bodyguard and you don't have a wrestler contract. Yeah. It, I believe <laughs> Tony Khan. Yeah. I, I feed this guy. Tony Khan's letting this random bodyguard go for the TNT title. That's fantastic. That's amazing. I can't believe it. <laughs> yeah. How nice is Tony Khan? I literally can't believe it. Then we had our main event, 
Adam Cole, Kyle Riley, Bobby Fish versus Hangman, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds. Nice six-man match for what it was. Adam Cole gets the win. I believe he pinned Alex Reynolds, though. So yeah, he pinned, he, he pinned Alex Reynolds. Then they duct tape Cole, to, uh, not Cole, to Page to the ropes and beat up everybody in front of him. It's funny. Like, uh, you almost messed up on that name. Yeah, I was just listening to Jim Ross say, uh, Grill and JR, that back in the day, promoters would try not to book two stars with the same names against each really? other. Really? First name. You mean, I, you mean all... Before you say that, my first thought was Flair Steamboat. <laughs> Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat. But I'm just. <laughs> I was thinking more of the fact that Steve Austin had to change his name, which is really Steve Williams. Right. Because there was already a Dr. Death Steve Williams. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I, right. He couldn't go by his real name. Yeah. I mean, or, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. It is what it is, man. So before we get to the top five of the week, one other question here. What do you think about the idea that one of our uh, friends pitched to us, Scott from Voluntown, about William Regal coming in to potentially run Ring of Honor? I think it's a great idea. I mean, William Regal loves working with young talent. He's a great mind for the business. We saw him scouting even when we were at Bloodsport in New York. Yeah. He was up in the balcony with John Moxley, and they were actually spotting Bloodsport before John Moxley was even on the card. Oh, so yeah. that was kind of a cool thing. You can't have someone better than Steven Regal to actually teach you young talent. That's for damn sure. Let's fly through this top five of the week and then let's make some revolution predictions. So let's see. You can tell me what we agree on. The one non, two non-AEW things I have here, but I think one we'll agree on. Vince McMahon doing an interview with Pat McAfee. I think just Vince doing one of these interviews. makes. I think seeing the real Vince McMahon is always going to make a top five. Yeah, that's a top the guy, five. The guy's more of a character than his actual character. Con buys Ring of Honor. That's got to be there. MJF and Punk. I think we'll yep. agree on that. And then, are we going to agree on this one? Brian Danielson and Christopher Daniels. Oh, absolutely. You know, I love Christopher Daniels for a long time. One of my favorite of all time. To get him to see him work with Brian, with Brian Danielson one more time was absolutely amazing. And Although he needs to do something for that eye. And then my final one, which maybe will differ a little bit here. I went with Harry Smith. In the NWA for the Crockett Cup. I thought that was pretty cool to see here. Well, see, there. now, if it was the match this week, I would have agreed with you. Yeah. But it was just an announcement. Okay. So, therefore, I gave it to Pete Dunn and Carmelo Hayes for my number five. Not bad. Actually, if I was thinking about match then, I probably would have gone with Braun Breaker and Ciampa. That was a so, fun match, but to me, with the North American title on the line right. and with Pete Dunn in the main event, I was very happy with that. All right. Let's make some predictions here. We already did our buy-in predictions. Jake Cargo, Ty Conti. I'm going with Cargo. I am going with Cargill. And then we got the AHFO, Andrade, Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy versus Sammy, Sting, and Darby. I do think Andrade is going to win the title tonight. Yeah, I think okay. Sammy, Sting, and Darby are going over because if Andrade wins the belt, it doesn't make sense to have him go over on the pay-per-view. Yeah, and I just you know, you're not going to have Sting and Darby and Sammy job out this match. No. Just don't know. Send them home. Send them happy. Jurassic, I'm looking forward to the Sting plancha. Jurassic Express versus Red Dragon and the Bucks. I anyone, think, anyone but Jurassic Express. I think they're going to win now. I think Jurassic Express is going to win because I think the other teams are going to end up fighting each other. And that's what's going to lead to Jurassic Express holding on to the belts. Bitch. I'm going with Red Dragon. All right. <laughs> I think you're going with your heart, but I hope you're well, I am. I'm completely going with my heart. I, I cannot go for a man dressed in a dinosaur outfit. This is one that's going to be tough for me. Moxley Danielson. I'm leaning towards Danielson right now. I think Mox, Moxley goes over, but I think they end up joining. See, I was thinking. To me, if Danielson goes over, I don't see how Moxley can join him as a right. figure. Good point. Okay. I convinced you of the result tonight. 
You turned me on that one. Who's going to win the face of the revolution ladder match? I think we're going to agree on this one too. I'm going Wardlow. I think Wardlow wins it too. I look for a big showing from Keith Lee. You're going to see a lot from Powerhouse Hobbs. Ricky Starks will shine as always, but I, I got to go with Wardlow. I agree. Dr. Britt Baker versus Dunder Rosa. I'm going to go gonna, with Rosa just to be yeah. different. Yeah, yeah I'm going with Britt Baker. Sounds good to me. I wish I could say Rosa. I do. That's one where I want to go with my heart too. But but I just see Britt Baker winning this one. Here's a tough one. MJF Punk. I feel like MJF's going to be the guy that gets a title shot, but I feel like we've put so much heat on him. Punk's going to win this. I think Punk wins too. Yeah. Not only that, but I think that Wardlow costs Punk. I think something... I, I think mean, costs, right. sorry, Wardlow costs MJF. I think you're right. And I think MJF will still end up getting a title shot somehow down the road. But yeah, I don't think this is his night. Adam Page versus Adam Cole. I know we're going to agree on this one. Hangman page all day long. Yeah. See, now, if I thought that Punk was losing, I would go with Adam Cole. Because I think mm. Adam Cole versus Punk would be a hell of a main event. Yeah. But I, I think MJF is going to somehow get the title shot. Yeah. And I think that's why the belt stays on page. I agree. All right. So we really disagreed on one match and then one. Uh, Two. Well, the, one of them's tonight, right? No. The Jurassic Express, you oh. picked. I picked Red Dragon. Yeah. You picked Thunder Rosa, and I picked Rip Baker. I didn't acknowledge you really did that. All right. <laughs> I know in your heart, I know in your head what you really think. <laughs> All right. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to do today for the Working Fans Podcast. You know what? We do the work so you don't have to. And we're out. We want to take a minute to thank our newest sponsor on the show, 482 Designs. That is F-O-U-R, the number is 82designs, 482designs. You can find them on Facebook by looking up F-O-U-R, 82designs, at F-O-U-R, 82designs on Instagram. And if you want to email them, go to F-O-U-R, 82designs at gmail.com. Pretty soon, we're going to be rolling out some high-quality T-shirts and stickers that were just done by the sponsor. Please check them out for any of your screen printing needs. First off, it's a light years better than our first one. Also, it divides the washer and dryer. They look good, and they're good quality. Nice. And those stickers before Paco chewed them up were amazing. And luckily, we'll be getting some more in, hopefully, before we start selling them to fans. But that's F-O-U-R-8-2 Designs. Welcome to Working Fans Podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. As always, we are brought to you by the Pro Wrestling Vault, Volume 1, written by Vinnie Barry. 35 short stories across the wrestling landscape. Each book comes autographed by one of 11 wrestlers featured in it. Available at LanceByChance.com, where you can also get Lance by Chance Wrestling is Avon Eric. And you know we usually have more reads, but I'm going to bring in the man they call Dave. Hey, hey. Bring in Princess Josh. If you followed us talking about Florida Gulf Coast wrestling, we've got some other things percolating. Princess Josh is featured on those shows. Josh Tell the people about it. Well, recently, Florida Gulf Coast Wrestling did a joint show with Southern Extreme Pro Wrestling, a company where I happen to be the lowly commissioner of. And during that joint show, something had come about where you guys had been brought up about 
providing some commentary for the show for Florida Gulf Coast Wrestling and subsequent past shows for Southern Extreme Pro Wrestling. So moving forward as the commissioner of Southern Extreme Pro Wrestling, I'm happy to welcome you two individuals on board my team, not necessarily my team, but at least this team of SXPW as our official commentating team. Thank you very much. (laughs) We couldn't have a better introduction. Now, for people not familiar with you, tell us about Princess Josh. Oh, the story and the tales of Princess Josh vastly go through the multiverses, depending on which corner of the multiverse you are in, obviously. I've been known to be a chaos demon, a god of mischief, and a boatload of other things, including a triangle at one point. But those were in other parts of the multiverse. In this part of the multiverse, unfortunately, I am your princess of weird. I am your god of chaos, the supreme leader of Cerise. And to get to this journey, it has been a long and complicated one. I started off in the Black Hills of Rocky Point, which is up in the northern regions of Rhode Island and Taunton, Massachusetts. Somewhere in that vast area is where I grew up and grew up a lifelong wrestling fan. My uncle was a wrestling fan and he had shown me professional wrestling at a very young age. So early ages, always pro wrestling has been there. But the first definitive memory was WrestleMania 3. And getting the Coliseum home video and renting it from my local video store numerous times. And that is what brought me into the world of pro wrestling, watching Andre Hogan. I was an Andre guy. I liked Mm. Andre and Bobby and wanted to see them win that match. I did not want to see Hogan win. And every time I rewatched it, it still boggled my mind that Hogan was able to win that match. But lifelong fandom and a lucky chance happenstance with the owner of Brawl USA, James Legend, and then, of course, my mentor, Simon Says, I was able to get into the back door of professional wrestling. That's something we always ask people is, we're all fans, we've all been there. How do you make that jump from being a fan to being able to get into the industry? So for me, it was a unique opportunity because in professional wrestling, as you guys know, it's all about opportunity and what you do with it, right? And that's pretty much life. So for me, I had lucked out. I wore a gotten into indie wrestling hardcore around the 2013 time period is when this all takes place. And the owner of Brawl USA, a guy named James Legend, had messaged me on Facebook and was like, you know independent wrestling and specifically who Leva Bates is. How do I not know who you are? And I was like, well, I'm just a fan. I work in music and this, that, and the other. And we got a conversation and I saw an opportunity and I was like, hey, if you need anybody to come in and do ring work or, you know, set up any odd job, I will gladly do it. When I was younger, I had tried getting into the professional wrestling business. My father at the time, my stepfather, he wound up bringing me to a wrestling training school for about a month or so. I got to go work a couple shows with them, had an unfortunate circumstance with a fan where I basically yelled at her to sit down. I took away from the match. It was a whole thing, but it was a learning experience. And for a very long time, I took that learning experience as it wasn't meant for me to be in wrestling. So when this opportunity presented itself, I literally grabbed it by the throat and did what I had to. And then like my mentor, Simon says, he saw me at that show and saw me like, really, I literally was the ring crew is me and this old man who had cancer. And that was the whole ring crew. And they saw me literally set up, tear down, help out with anything and didn't complain, didn't ask 
for anything. And they were just like, okay. Simon Says looked at me for that and was like, what's your deal? Why are you doing this? And I told him, I'm a fan. I've always wanted to do this. Like, if this is the opportunity I'm given, if this is, as far as it goes, this is, you know, at least I can say I did this. He owned a company named Vintage Wrestling at the time. And he was like, come to my shows. No pay, no nothing. It was about a two hour drive away. And you come out, you black clothes, everything, black shirt, black pants, black shoes. We'll have you do security, odd job, set up, tear down, all those things. If you're smart enough, you'll keep your mouth shut, your eyes open and your ears open and you'll learn things. And in that mm-hmm. locker room, I got to learn from so many guys and got to do so many different things because he would, wouldn't just like have me do security. Everything set up. Okay, go to the production guys, this dude named Paul, who ran 316 Productions for them. Go learn from them. They're producing the show. Figure out what it takes to run the camera, edit, any anything you can learn. He would direct me toward it. And then it all just eventually became parts of the tool belt that I now have. And that seems like one of the best ways to get into wrestling is be available, be open to whatever. Not whatever, but be open to a variety of jobs and just give it your best. And being able to do it. Yeah. Well, I think it comes down to this is as fans, we all have the grandeur and dream of the main event holding the title in the air as the singles champion, right? Realistically, that's not for everybody. And realistically, this business is a lot bigger than just being in the ring, right? So for me, even growing up as a child and learning, you know, once you got that veil taken off of professional wrestling is a scripted program that is put together by individuals and the whole team and stuff and starting realizing like, oh, wait a minute, Gorilla Monsoon, Jesse the Body Ventura, they used to wrestle, but now they're doing commentary. But wait a minute, Gorilla also does this. These guys also do this. Jimmy Hart's making the, why is it all this way? And then like one of my favorite guys is Triple H. And one of his things was you can tell a lot by someone, by the caliber of wrestler that they're gravitated towards. So what's your top five? That'll tell you everything you know about the individual that's coming towards you. For me, it's Triple H, Shawn Michaels, Undertaker, and usually my fifth one will vary. Oh, Taz usually is my big fifth one that I go to because of size and stuff like that. But if you look at the caliber of guys in that roster and stuff, look at what they've done for wrestling. They didn't just do the in-ring work. They did the production. Like, look at everything Triple H has done. Triple H, huge influence for me. Love everything he's done. Like, it was those little things when I was younger that helped me realize, like, I might not be set for in-ring work, but there are other avenues where I might be able to get my name out there and be a part of wrestling and the thing I love. Makes sense. Now, we have a fan question, and... Randy's a fan of ours, but he's not familiar with it. Who's the favorite wrestler you wrestled? Who's the favorite wrestler you've worked with? I think would be a better. All right. So, cause I've never actually had a match. So in my entire eight year career, I've done a lot of things, but the one thing I've never done is have a match. And that's something I'm very proud of. I've been trained the backdoor way of at shows. Guys would show me things. There've been a few guys. One of them recently passed away a uh, shooter storm after before a show one day, I had to bring it, help bring him to a show. And he was like, Hey, anything you don't know let me teach you i'm like i don't really know how to bump right now he taught me basics on how to bump i wasn't that great at it but i took that one day learning experience brought it to another place and they taught me a little bit more and stuff like that so that's how i learned a lot of the things i know so as far as working a match no favorite people i have worked with the people i work with normally the members of cerise there's Tweedledie. there's the pagan psychopath sanson the emperor of the wild frederick yeager they're all men that i very much love and appreciate working for for some people that you may know i've gotten to work with rob 
Terry. I've gotten to work with Gangrel. One of my favorite people in the world that I've gotten to work backstage with and got to learn a lot from was Tony DeVito from ECW, Devaldi's and Ring of mm-hmm. Honor. Got to learn a lot from him. Simon Says, obviously, my mentor. I got to learn a lot from him. And then some other guys that maybe you haven't heard of, like Francisco Chiazzo. Everybody now knows him as Frankie Coverdale as part of the Talking Shopamania crew. Down here in Florida, we knew him for a long time as the King of the Southeast, Francisco Chiazzo. And he was a guy that taught me a whole bunch. Bruce Santee was another guy. He's done things for ICW No Holds Barred recently with, I believe his name was Justin Steele. He was another big influential guy of like getting to see how he did. Mike Cruz, like I said, these were all guys who came from that vintage locker room. They had gone and done other things and they had come to this place to make it their own. And unfortunately that place isn't here anymore, but I took those lessons from there and have applied it there. So there's so many guys that I've gotten to work with over the years that I'm very honored and privileged to get to everybody I get to work with, honestly, is an honor and privilege. Josh, I'm curious, you know, I always tell people sometimes I learn a lot more from mistakes. Is there some stuff you felt like you've really learned through adversity in this business? Yeah, there's a lot of things because you know how they say wrestling's for everyone? It isn't. It really (laughs) isn't because like the days you have to go out on the road and like tomorrow I'm literally hitting the road for six hours to go work my wonderful home away from home, new heights wrestling, my kingdom away from kingdoms. And that's a six hour car drive there, a six hour car drive back all in the same day. And I can't wait for it, but that's time away from my loved ones. That's time away from my little daughter that is only four years old. So those, and I'm only planning on having one kid. So it's not like, Oh, I'll make it up with the net. No, there's none of that for me. So whatever I miss is I miss, right? I've missed Easter this year. I missed Halloween this year, which is a big holiday for me. Obviously, being the princess of weird halloween would be huge i was at a show i hosted fright nights in defuniac florida for seven nights unfortunately i was met to almost a grisly end unfortunately they did not realize the power they were dealing with in Wayland barley and shane gibson two miserable unfortunate souls i'm going to have to deal with soon rather than later but that's another story for another time tell us about the indie scene in florida because We're getting more familiar with it only because working with different companies, we try and become aware of everyone else. What is it like down there? Because we're in the Northeast. So we've got like Beyond Wrestling is in the Rhode Island, Massachusetts area. Northeast Wrestling is an indie that's out of Connecticut. There's like Paradise Alley Pro Wrestling. So we have a few little This is one of the things you don't realize, right? There's those big companies that you got, right? That yep. you obviously know because they bring in the bigger talents of the guys you see on the IWTVs, the WWN Live Networks, the PWGs, whatever it may be, right? But there are other companies out there beyond those ones. All through the corners of the universe and the multiverse and in the United States and the world, there's professional wrestling in size, shape, or form. So in Florida, we have over 100 different promotions, that range from your biggest of the big to the smallest of the small. I've gotten to work for a lot of different ones in between because that's kind of how it is when you work in the indie professional wrestling scene. So in, I know you mentioned beyond wrestling. I also know there at one point was a new England championship wrestling that I believe is still around and stuff like that. I, they may have gone through a name change. Hard to follow the scene when you're not in the area. So that's where a lot of people like when you're a trainer, for talking to you and telling you about the world. There used to be the old adage, if you're not trying to make it into WWE, what are you in here for? I never subscribed to that. I've always been of the mindset of longevity is the key because the longer you do this, the more you do this, hopefully the more you learn, the better you get at this and the bigger stages you'll get to perform on. So down here, we've got some big stages. We've, we get some companies come down here and stuff like that. 
So like I just mentioned, ICW No Holds Barred, they've come down here and stuff like that. I got to work production for them and do music for them for a few of their shows. Just as Ron Nimi is a good friend of mine. He used to run IPW Hardcore down here in Florida. They used to incorporate guys like AJ Styles and Roderick Strong and all these big indie guys that are now making waves in WWE and AEW long before this. This is like 2003, 2003. And they gave me footage recently to work on that had Macho Man Randy Savage on it that is now available on the IWTV feed that I got to work on that footage. You know, that's behind the scenes production stuff that people don't realize, one, that I do, or two, that goes into some of this stuff or who's actually working on stuff. Like if you guys remember being ECW fans, they used to say Tommy Dreamer was the guy sending you the T-shirts. Bubba Ray Dudley was the guy answering the phones. Why was that? Because they didn't have a staff. They have dedicated people to the business and the industry who wanted to see that particular bit, that particular promotion or whatever it may be shine. So you have that down here in Florida. You have that up there up north. You have that all across the United States. So many people working hard to try to make this one little dream an accomplishment. And even in the smallest ways, we try to make that happen. 100%. Now, you kind of learn the production side of things from just getting practice in it, right? A lot of it, yeah, because like video production and like it doesn't take much to hand out flyers, right? Anybody can do that. It does, you know, old school tactics still work today. I always like to say everybody knows when the circus is in town. Mm. Right now, you know, when the circus comes to your town, you know about the general time frame because every single store, every single place in your town gets hit up with a circus flyer. Why? because they travel, because they're not used to your territory or town. They still have to do the old handbill flyer way to make sure everybody knows that the circus is coming to town. They still rely on Facebook, Twitter, everything like that. But unless you're really looking for the circus, you're not finding the circus. They make the circus come to you. So a lot of those little things were what helped me learn. And then from there, it's just like looking over shoulders and seeing how things were done. I've always been big into movie production, movies and film and TV and how all that comes together. So I took some of the things I learned from there. I was like, okay, how can I apply it here? They station a camera here to do a promo, like little things like that. When they say watch footage, you know, for me watching footage, I'm not necessarily watching how guys do things in the ring. Yes, I am watching that at times to see all of those things, but I'm also watching How many camera cuts are they doing? How did they station the cameras? Especially old wrestling footage when they didn't have as many cameras as they do now, right? Cameras are cheap and easy to make. Everybody's got one in their phone. That's one of the hard things about being in video production today. Deal with promoters, they'll literally take out their cell phone. Like, what can you do that this thing can't? A lot that that thing can when you really logistically look at it. All that thing's going to do is film. And then even more so, it's going to film from the perspective of the person's hand you put it in. If they're not filming well, Yeah, that's why you get multiple cameras on there, but that costs. Because if one of those cameras goes down, you've got to replace it. Company's not going to replace it. They don't care about certain production costs. Look at how they treat microphones. Every single wrestling company says, don't throw the microphone. What do you see everybody doing even on the indies? They're tossing those bad boys like they're, you know, paperweights because it's not their property. They don't care about it. They want to be the big badass. So, which I get, but as the production guy, you got, you're the guy sitting there figuring out, all right, well, that just cost me X amount of dollars. That just cost me X amount of dollars. All right, well, hopefully I get X amount of dollars to cover this because if not, you know, that's coming out of my pocket. It's not coming out of anybody else's pocket. There's an old adage that I heard Scott Hall say is how do you make a million dollars in professional wrestling? Start off with 2 million. 
Because oh. you're going to spend that first million just being in here. So then you'll just get dwindled down to a millionaire. Over the last 24 hours, I've been putting money into getting merchandise made, oh. getting entrance attire made, and all that kind of stuff. That stuff is not cheap. Yeah, And then, of course, the normal family stuff, it, you know. That's why independent wrestling, like, it's a thing of you have to have passion for it. 100%. Now we got another fan question here. What's the most challenging thing about working behind the scenes? It all depends on which aspect you're behind the scenes, right? Because if you're an announcer, it, to me, one of the more challenging things as an announcer is making sure you know the material and knowing the guy's names properly because you don't want to misquote anybody or missay it something because ultimately this is about getting everybody over because if the guys in the ring aren't getting over and doing their job the company's not going to get over no, nobody's going to you know the fans aren't going to be there so that's always a challenge another thing is talent availability nobody ever really takes that into consideration of if especially in the covid times right if a guy gets sick He's got to stay home. He's, you know, you got to now rewrite the entire show to kind of fit that. And that will throw off a lot of different plans that you may have had going into the show, even just as a promo perspective. You're the guy just brought in to shoot the promos and planning on shooting and having material for the next two months with one guy and they're not there. How are you going to do that? You would have to come up, you know, you'd have to go meet them somewhere. And now you're eating extra money out of your cost and travel just to make sure that gets done. Or do you wait till they come back and rework the plan? There's a lot of those little things that comes from working behind the scenes. That a lot of people don't really take into consideration, I think, at times. Like, I know we hear the Monday night stuff about, like, Vince tears up the script and everything like that. But think about how hands-on he's been for the past 30-plus years with that product. If yeah. it's not right in your head, if you're an artist and, you know, yeah, there's happy accidents. But if that happy accident is just smeared all over the canvas... You've got to get a new canvas or you've got to rework what you've got on that canvas. So those are the things that as an artist, as a producer, like everybody's an artist, everybody like it's that weird thing of like people don't really graphic artists are hired to make the labels on your products that you buy every day. Coca-Cola hires a graphic artist to make sure that the cans look a certain way every few years. So it's yeah. appealing to the eyes of the audience and the consumer. Everybody has that artistic eye in them, and it's a matter of figuring it out. And then once you figured it out, it's realizing artistic compromise because you might really want to do this. Perfect example. I recently, as I had mentioned, had Waylon Barley and Shane Gibson shove me into a casket. Now, while part of that was pre-planned of I knew they were coming to attack me, I did not know fully about the casket, let alone the fact that one of them would shove dirt on top of it. And this is another thing that we don't talk about a lot in professional wrestling is mental health. I have PTSD, anxiety, depression, and a boatload of other things going on. So that was a trigger thing. Like I have very big dealings with that. So it was a whole mental thing of like, all right, I've got to get through this. And then once that's done, mentally check myself, make sure I'm okay, that I realize that this was not a real incident that it wasn't anything to plague on my fears or anything like that, and then continue forward so that it doesn't hinder or anything like that. That doesn't mean I'm not going to get revenge, because trust me, revenge is already coming. Like, I've already gotten my hands on Waylon Barley once. My good friend Tweedledye took care of him in his good home town of Defuniac Springs over at their 14th anniversary show. Unfortunately, tomorrow, Waylon wanted a rematch, but that's not going to happen due to some contract disputes. Unfortunately, I've been allowing Tweedle to appear in New Heights Wrestling under or a brief little handshake deal and his contract isn't signed. So 
I'm going to make sure that gets signed one way or another, either on the 12th, the Saturday, or on the 25th when we're at the Bulldog Bash in Freeport, Florida as well. Because I've talked about my home away from home. I've talked about a lot of things. Let's talk. I can gladly come back here and talk more. I've been enjoying this. But let's talk a little bit Southern Extreme Pro Wrestling because they have a show coming up as well. Start telling us about Southern Extreme Pro Wrestling. So recently, I'm not sure if you guys have seen this or not on social media. We have in few select McDonald's in the multiverse, these wonderful Southern Extreme Pro Wrestling, Florida Gulf Coast Wrestling Happy Meals that I've been gobbling up like no tomorrow. And there you'll see the official details for the show. It's on February 27th in a few weeks from now. And it's going to be a huge show. I mean, it's a combining of two wondrous companies. Unfortunately, Florida Gulf Coast Wrestling recently stripped me of my tag team championship. I'm not too thrilled with that. As you can tell, the Florida indie scene and just wrestling in general can be a very frustrating and difficult thing to deal with at times, especially a princess of my caliber. So you got to roll with the punches. So we'll be rolling with the punches. Unfortunately, we had to reschedule the event from January to this February 27th event, and it's going to be a great show. We've got a lot of great matches that are going to be going on, title matches. It's going to be huge. How did you first become involved with Southern Extreme Pro Wrestling? My history with Southern Extreme Pro Wrestling goes back many years. I'm going to fix my Happy Meal box real quick just because I'm on it. it. It's a lifelong dream to be on a Happy Meal box. But anyway. That is pretty fucking cool, by the way. Go ahead. Sorry. Thank you very much. I mean, yeah. it's what happens when you travel the multiverse like a princess like myself can do. But I wound up getting involved with Southern Extreme Pro Wrestling many years ago. A good friend of mine named Jamel Fortune was looking for some spiritual guidance So he had asked me to come in there and help him guide a new light to Southern Extreme Pro Wrestling as part of the funhouse days of my career. Unfortunately, that didn't go over so well after being declared the Southern Extreme Battle Royal Champion and making a deal with Billy McLeod on joining the funhouse. The very next show, I learned you never trust a York and Donnie York Jr., when they proceeded to cane me and make me forfeit the title back to Billy. And that was the last time I was seen in SXPW until recently when they did Remember the Times, a Donnie York tribute. Donnie was left with no other options as well as a few of the other owners, but they were in need of a new commissioner. And I happened to fill the role really quite nicely. And Donnie learned that night that while you may never trust New York and you never make deals with devils you don't know, we learned that we had a mutual understanding of how things should be done. So since then, I've been running the show for Southern Extreme Pro Wrestling. And when I heard the opportunity of Florida Gulf Coast Wrestling coming in and stuff like that, I thought, what a better time to end a man's career. So we ended Pretty Boy Poppy's career at our last show, Clash of Titans. And then my title was taken from me. And there was a bit of a miscommunication of words with me and Hannibal Vachon and the rest of them. So I will be venturing forward as just the SXPW commissioner, but that's not to take away any dealings in my kingdom as Cam Dashing, the King of Queens, will soon come to find out. I mean, how are you going to call yourself the King of Queens and you don't rock Adidas? I mean, there are already three Kings of Queens and they already taught us Adidas is the way to go, right? A hundred percent. We saw your Adidas on that Clash of Titans show. Yeah, my grand courts, my black and whites. A few different pairs. I love my Adidas. We first became familiar with you when doing commentary for Florida Gulf Coast Wrestling and all that Cerise is doing. So 
tell us how you got involved with them. And me and Hannibal Vashon go way back. We've known each other for quite some time. And he was in need of some spiritual guidance as well, as most of the individuals are when they come across my path and made some deals. He made a deal with me. I made a deal with him. And we jointly came to Florida Gulf Coast wrestling with these same goals in mind. Unfortunately, those goals have now since changed. And so does sometimes happen. But I do wish him the best. And hopefully our paths do not cross again. Josh, I'm going to ask you, I know we're talking about golf course and extreme, but one thing I wanted to touch on before you had talked about having a lot of stuff in your tool belt, which is yes. super important. But also, too, like you met a lot of people. How important is the aspect of just networking and making these connections and relationships in the wrestling business? So networking is very huge. If you're not an idiot, if you're not stupid, you'll eventually meet people who want to pay it forward, right? After you've been doing this for a long time and you gain some knowledge and you learn some things, you in the newer crop stops coming in, you know, every year there's a new generation of kids coming into professional wrestling that are training, right? So you want to, you know, they're asking for advice. So you want to pay it forward. You want to give them advice. And I've always felt having all these different tools and different perspectives has always helped me in sometimes giving advice. And it's also helped me in learning advice, right? I might be able to come at me one way, and I understand it from that perspective, but from this side of the coin, I wouldn't have understood it because that's how it's supposed to be on that side of things, right? So it's learning overall how, you know, if you love this business, if you really, you know, you get what you put in to anything in life, and if you're positive about it and you want to do the work, you'll eventually see the returns and those networking things. You know, a lot of, once again, that's network. I The first guy I met was James Legend from Brawl USA off of a post I made on a free comic book day wearing a t-shirt. So from that little bit of a connection, I was able to meet my next connection in professional wrestling in Simon Says, who really took me under his wing and taught me so much. And from there, I was also to meet, able to meet the man I just met recently recently mentioned Shooter Storm, who passed away, a boatload of others, including another man by the name of Puerto Rican Hound Dog, who also really hardcore took me under his wing and taught me a lot more of like the in-ring stuff, like just to be able to protect myself in there so I'm not getting murdered like and stuff like that. Because sometimes you need to know those things. Referees need to know it. Managers need to know it when you make that transition to being hardcore in front of the camera, because I originally started off as just an announcer, as a ring announcer, then commentator and backstage interviewer and all those, pretty much those three roles wherever I could get in. And it was a lot of vintage wrestling where I was learning. And then, you know, just through different connections, it became like, hey, we're having a show. Like I said, there's over 100 promotions in Florida. Eventually, you will meet one of the people running those shows. And if you've impressed them, they will probably go, hey, I've got a show. I want to bring you out. And then you can start opening the dialogue of pay. Because that's why there's 100 different promotions. Because everybody know your worth. There are some people that will go out there and work for free and they'll never learn anything new. And, you know, they're content with that. And while that is their path in wrestling, that's not necessarily my path. That wasn't the path I wanted to choose. So I wanted to learn as much, do as much as I could. Absolutely. That makes total sense. In that same vein, I guess, what has been some of the more challenging aspects? Because you have done so many different things. Mental health is okay. always the challenging thing, especially for me with obviously the list I have, because sometimes that stuff will get to you. You'll get inside right. your own head on certain things because you wanted to get one go one way and 
the higher ups don't see it that way. This is why wrestling is the way it is. Like, like I said before, everybody wants to be the champion at the big show with the title and those dreams of grandeur when you're creating your wrestler on the video game or playing with your figures or whatever it may be. What it, you know, because that's what it was like for me when I was growing up as a kid. Never saw myself as the princess of weird josh johnson or princess josh i saw myself as an entirely different thing but this is where i stand today this is the journey i've been on and i'm i love the journey i've been on i wouldn't you know those come those days where like i said the road that you travel francisco chiazzo uses this phrase a lot it's probably going to butcher the quote but the road is one giant dream wrapped in asphalt so logistically as a professional wrestler as an entertainer you're wanting to hit that road your dream is being on the road it's not it's you know yes it's being in front of the crowd but it's also being on the road look at aew if you look at a lot of the backstage stuff a lot of the guys will tell you and you hear about how travel became entirely different the moment they started doing the weekly television because one week you're here one week you're you're there one week you're here one week you're there so that becomes very challenging and you no longer control your schedule at that point because the higher ups are saying we're going to baltimore next week and then the week after that we're going to cincinnati and the, or whatever it may be so when you're at this stage in my stage you know you get to control your schedule and hopefully you're making those bookings and you know getting it so that your schedule is full so you know exactly where you need to be those dates once again they're telling when you when to buy tickets for a show right now for the bigger companies three months down the line four months down the line so that's where uh, to me companies want to be getting to is you want to be able to advertise a show four months down the line selling out you know starting to sell out on that one and the three you have before it are selling damn near out or if not sold out so that it's always that progression you know some companies are happy with their little pond and others want to see more so i've always been wanting to see more you told us about a lot of the people <coughs> you worked with and you got the pleasure of working with but in terms of you know a lot of people will say okay my biggest influence is macho man randy savage or this guy and i but i feel like so i have an entirely different top five for that Okay, well, I just, I'm curious. I, well, I'm wondering. I wondering what, what those influences would be for me? Yeah, because I'm Insane thinking, Clown Posse, yeah. Bobby the Brain Heenan, David Arquette, and I'm probably missing a couple others off this list because I often think of this one and stuff. Gorilla Monsoon was another huge influence. Jesse the Body Ventura. And then, like, I obviously have my non-wrestling influences. That's what I was going like to go that. with. I was kind of curious, what are some of your not influences? Because I, I'm sensing, and I could be way off, there's some like a little bit of Marvel stuff there. You're talking about the multiverse and stuff, and I'm I'm super Well, let's be real. We stand in a new day and age where there's a multiverse for everything. There's a multiverse in the Ghostbusters world. There's a multiverse in the DC universe. There's a multiverse in the Halloween universe. The right. multiverse is a very real thing, and it's a very, very real thing if you know how to transgress it. So... That is one of the, yes, I do love Marvel. Uh, Marvel helps enlighten the world into mm -hmm. the multiverse, especially that wonderful show, Low Key. I mean, there's a lot of influences there. Being a chaos god like myself, I've been around for a very long time in a lot of different forms. I've taken a lot of different names. So names like Low Key, Bill Cipher, and so many more have run very true for a individual like myself so yes gravity falls low-key horror movies like i love the slasher genre specifically not really like i like some ghost movies and like i like dungeons and dragons i like fantasy music like mm. i have had many influences in life 
And I always, depending on what I'm doing and what hat or role I need to be in is where I will come from some of those influences. Because some things that are good for me, some of that multiversal talk and stuff like that, where I can talk low-key and, you know, all that Marvel stuff, that might resonate to somebody like you. Mm -hmm. But to a younger kid, they might understand the Gravity Falls stuff. And that's where I've kind of taken some stuff as well, obviously. Because once again, it has been very well determined that myself, Bill Cipher, Loki, and a few others have all been the same thing, but under different names, if you follow The Simpsons in an episode they recently had. So there's a lot of heavy concepts that I like to play around with and little ideas and little things here and there that I like to pay homage to at times, right? And that's just for me. But I like to do it with, obviously, we've discussed it. I work behind the scenes. I produce stuff. I, you know, help with any role behind the scenes, pretty much, except for physically paying and getting a show booked and everything like that. I'll help with pretty much everything else at this point in the stage. Just because I don't have that money or the means to do it yet doesn't mean I won't. It's not in the cards right now. But I do have wonderful places I work, like New Heights Wrestling, Southern Extreme Pro Wrestling, and a few others, and professional wrestling that I do have my hand in that. I get to work in feel creative and like i said depending on who i'm working with so if i'm working with a guy who is there's a great talent down here named leroy shogun i'm not going to go into the marvel multiversal super villain plethora of things when i'm producing a promo for him that's not going to fit him maybe luke cage if anything of the big powerhouse kind of guy. But for him and his character, I'd go to something like The Last Dragon and Bruce Leroy and Shonuff and that influence, because obviously that is something that's played an influence on him in his life and, you know, Wu-Tang Clan and hip hop and like that style. That's what I would be thinking of in the vein of trying to produce something for him. I look at it like Quentin Tarantino, Kevin Smith and Robert Rodriguez. They're three of my favorite filmmakers. Look at their band of work and what they're creating. When Quentin Tarantino is writing a film, because I'll go to Quentin first, Quentin writes a film and the characters he's writing for, he's writing all that dialogue for every single individual on the screen. Same with Kevin Smith. Jay and Silent Bob are the constant. He knows those two because that's just him and his buddy. But it's a little bit different when he's getting into the Randall role, because that's an old version of himself. Look at James Gunn right now with Peacemaker. He allowed John Cena to take that piano playing thing that he's been doing in real life. Like, I don't know if you remember this. Cena did an interview on like either WWE or Total Divas or Total Bellers, one of those shows where he was talking about starting playing the piano. And it was just maybe an hour a day he was talking about. And he started and he wasn't playing at all good. Like anybody, when you first start something, you are horrible. Sure. But he went into the camera. He directly said, but I'm going to give this an hour a day. And if you do something for a thousand hours, you've mastered it. Doesn't matter what the skill is, what the task is. You do something, the same thing for an hour a day for a thousand hours. You're going to eventually master it. And here he is playing Home Sweet Home by Motley Crue on the piano in Peacemaker. So that just goes to show you with persistence and, you know, keep yourself like role. Like to me, I always look at individuals that have done things and are positive about it, especially at this stage in the game. Insane Clown Posse. I have mentioned them a few times. They're a huge influence on me. If I can ever get booked for JCW, it's a lifelong dream come true. I've been booked for the Gathering of the Juggalos and been Jump Steady's hype man, but not as a wrestler. So that's a whole nother avenue of my life that I've been a part of. So 
those influences, those things, look at them nowadays and some of the podcast stuff and the Twitch stuff that they do, listen to them talk. They atone for some of the past mistakes they made, some of the lyrics and some of the vile things that they may have said at the time, because that was the time period, right? People were just saying those things naturally. You know, if they've apologized, Eminem's apologized, that's the thing you kind of do if you've evolved as a person, right? You realize your mistakes and you try to atone for them a little bit. Like you can't change them, but you can change who you are right now. And listening to them and some of the things they talk about, they're two dudes from Detroit, Michigan, and they dropped out of high school. Most of your favorite rappers from back in the day had didn't have high school graduations, right? They gra- they dropped out and stuff. Some of them became multimillionaires. Mm. How come? Insane Clown Posse became millionaires. The most hated band in the world. There was literally an FBI most hated, you know, a list of gangs and the Juggalos got put on. Oh, yeah. But like those two dudes went from wrestling in their backyards and rapping on karaoke machines to owning their own studios, owning their own wrestling company, working with every major person they've ever legend in wrestling or music that they've ever wanted to and have come complete full circle from the most hated band in the world to most okay band in the world right like Mm -hmm. they're not going to be everybody's cup of tea but now everybody's given them their respect everybody's kind of gone around and gone all right and saying clown posse you've kind of done it like you've ventured 30 plus years you've done things that nobody else has done really in the game like we hear about these certain rap labels like remember in the 90s 2000s like rap labels were everywhere psychopathic being one of them today is 20 you know 211 2022 how many of them are still actually active functioning labels that are still putting out music death row just got purchased by snoop dogg why because he wants to own the licensing rights to the music not anything about producing new music for death row records bad boy no limit how many other of these labels that have come out that aren't still putting out music the way that they used to and stuff like that because you know they're still trying to straggle on but not to the numbers and to the degree of insane clown posse and psychopathic records that's that longevity stuff of uh, that i talk about i'm like i don't want necessarily to have the most famous career but if i could have a long career and i do stuff and like you know get more out there and you know get more people to appreciate my art as an artist because that's ultimately what we want in this entertainment industry is to be appreciated as an artist look at david arquette i said he was a huge influence mm-hmm. that man went from being the world's heavyweight champion and never having to prove a damn thing to anyone that he loved professional wrestling but after the way fans treated him after a call that like i like to use this one who did work more to hurt the pro wrestling business david arquette or bret hart mm. i'm asking you who do you think I mean, <laughs> that's an interesting... It's an interesting question and an interesting perspective. Because yeah. the old school way, you were told, keep kayfabe alive and do everything to protect the sanctity of the outcomes and the booking. David Arquette was told, like Bill Goldberg was told, like everybody's told, you're winning the heavyweight title. He gave his two cents of this isn't a good idea. These guys think it's not a good idea. Right. Well, this is what we're doing. Bill Goldberg didn't think it was a good idea to get hit with a taser. But he still went out there and got hit with the taser. He did what the higher ups, what your bookers tells you to do. Absolutely. Bret Hart, in the same instance, was told the finish of what they wanted to do and fought it literally tooth and nail. And then when it didn't go his way, the very first thing he did was get on the phone the very next morning with the press and answer every single question they had about kayfabe, Mm. about the way the business was booked. Because he was salty at the time. He was hurt. But ultimately, that was the Pandora's box that got opened that day. Not David Arquette becoming the heavyweight champion, right? Realistically, who did David Arquette pin to win the world heavyweight championship? Oh, Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff. Did he pin an act? He didn't pick an, pin an actual wrestler. The stipulation of the match was whoever scored the pinfall would be heavyweight champion. Right. So that's no different than if Layla or Michelle McCool and The Undertaker were fighting Triple H and Stephanie, and Stephanie or Michelle McCool won the heavyweight title. 
you'd be more okay with that because they're trained wrestlers, this, that, and the other. They've been around. You're used to them being in the professional wrestling scene. Dave, oh, the other one of the one of my other big ones, and I can't believe I forgot, is Andy Kaufman. Because I look oh, at David yeah. Arquette as yes. a modern-day Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman loved the professional wrestling industry so much. Everything he did, he never cashed checks for it. He still had uncashed checks on the day he died from professional wrestling. Because he did it because he loved wrestling. David Arquette was the same thing. He went back to pro wrestling to kind of prove to everyday fans of like, put some little bit of respect on me here of like, and look at the conversation now. We look at David Arquette in a whole different light now. Mm -hmm. It was one thing that he went out there and did wrestling. And it was another thing to go into the match with Nick Gage. Then it was another thing for Dark Side of the Ring and him to do the documentary that he was doing at the same time because ultimately that was his goal in the documentary he knew at the end of it all like everything he was going through that end of the documentary was going to be his shining light to the pro wrestling world his love letter to us and we yeah. took that love letter and you know now we were like all right we're not really thrilled you know a lot of normal people are like we're not thrilled with them winning the heavyweight title but we understand we understand now you should have understand back then like it, 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 I, it, I get it, it. Yeah. You know, and it's like Freddie Prinze Jr. Now we're starting to respect Freddie Prinze Jr. because he's starting to dish out all the dirt on all the stuff that goes on backstage. And then when you hear his ideas, you're like, oh, wait a minute. That was infinitely better an idea than what they put out. Well, that's professional wrestling. Everybody's got ideas. Ultimately, the buck has to stop somewhere with the booker, the promoter, or somebody who's making the final calls on things because it's their product. They're the one paying you as an artist to perform. So that comes down to all of that of like, yeah, things don't always go your way because you might want to see it go one way. Somebody might, you know, the booker might see it go the other way. You've got to do what the booker says. You might not be happy of it, but that's the direction you've got to go. If you're smart in this business, you know, you need to do, you make it work the best you can. And then you go to the next one and make that work. And if you do your job right, you resonate with a crowd. Look, because I've had to give this advice too to some of the younger guys. They'd be like, well, I had to work a multi-man match and I didn't get nearly enough of my moves in. So I don't feel like I got over enough with the crowd. Well, that's not because of how many moves you did. That's because of how much work you did in the ring. Mm. I don't do a single move beyond a poke to the eye on the outside as a managerial spot. And maybe a punch as a managerial spot. I don't do any moves. I'm not a wrestler. I have t-shirts. I have merchandise. I've got all, I'm sitting here talking to you. Yeah. Obviously, I've done something to resonate with a crowd without having to do a single move. So as a wrestler, sometimes you need to figure out, they always say it's paint by numbers till you figure it out and then you're able to do it. Well, what's that mean? If you look at paint by numbers, yeah, you're taking the red and red goes on one, blue goes on two. But when you know what you're doing, you're able to take a little bit of red in the number one spot, a little bit of white. Now there's a, like this nice shading effect that's going on. And then you're taking the blues and the blacks and you're making it really look like a night scene on the top. It's paint by numbers. But as an artist, the more you learn, the more techniques you learn, that's where you're now getting to create. You learn the basics, and once you've got the basics down, you continue on. Now, it takes a lot of people a long time to realize some of those basics and stuff. And as fans, yeah. we are always intrigued by that. Time changes things, and perspective changes things on a lot of things. And if you are a great artist, your work will inevitably speak out more. Josh, you're a fascinated guy. And uh, tell me what some of your goals are coming up, and then tell me anything you want to talk about coming up, any shows, promote. Whatever you want, man. What's yours? Goals have always been and will always remain the same. Once again, not only longevity, but for the supreme domination of your supreme leader of Cerise, the princess of weird they selves, to not only infiltrate the multiverses of Florida, but hopefully some of the multiverses that you have up there, up in the Northeast, some that are out in California, maybe some around the world. I want to be everywhere I can physically be and hopefully be able to entertain the masses along the way with my brand of entertainment. As far as shows and everything like that, you can follow me on 
all forms of social media at Princess Weird 17, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Tomorrow night in Vernon, Florida, I believe at the Vernon Community Center, New Heights Wrestling, Bound to Determine 2022. Tag team titles on the line. Odin's Guard, my personal hoorah guys here. I'm so excited. We've been going at this for two years. We've had this plan. I gave Sanson a gift two years ago when he was reluctant to join me. This time I'm going to give him the gift of the tag team titles. Him and Frederick Yeager, we're taking on Preston Veston and Ryan Holland, and we're going to war. It's victory or Valhalla, because if we don't win, you're probably not going to see us again. Be real. We're going for war. We're going all out. Then February 25th, Once we've acquired those titles, we will be defending those titles in Freeport, Florida, once again for New Heights Wrestling, for the Bulldog Bash at the Freeport Gymnasium, their high school gymnasium over there. Tickets are available at the door. Visit New Heights Wrestling or facebook.com backslash New Heights Wrestling for more information on them. Southern Extreme Pro Wrestling and Florida Gulf Coast Wrestling, February 27th, I believe, is on the box. I'm horrible with dates at times. Yes, February 27th, 2022. There is all the wonderful info for that one. It will be a joint show. It's called Tensions Rising. I will be the commissioner in charge, and I have a very special opponent in mind for the so-called King of Queens Cam Dashing and his miserable shrew of a hag, Miss Lilith. After that, I have a boatload of other things coming up. I have a bodybuilding competition I'll be hosting in the future. I have other shows that I'll be doing. Fright Nights will once again be going on this year in the year of 2022, and I'll be returning as the host of that, as well as New Heights Wrestling. So a lot of things on my plate, as well as things I, I can't even talk about yet. So, yeah, please follow me at Princess Weird 17 My man, that's what I was going to ask social media. Josh, it is a pleasure. We will definitely have you back, because I feel like we've only scratched the surface. Thank you, sir. Have a good one. All right, so that wraps us up for this week. Thank you again for listening to the Working Fans Podcast. So as always, you can find us on Twitter at Fans Working. Our Facebook page is Working Fans Wrestling Pod. We have email where you can reach out to us and let us know what you think also. That's Working Fans Wrestling Pod at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram, Working Fans Wrestling underscore pod. And then as always, please continue to listen to us on anchor.fm, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, all your major platforms. If you're following us on Apple Podcasts, which we are also on now, and YouTube, please make sure you subscribe and give us a five-star rating. It helps us bring you these podcasts where we get to talk to you and talk with you every week. 